Hi and welcome to Think Healthy with Hayley. This is a podcast for women who are interested in health, fitness, weight loss and mindset. So if you want to feel more in control, enjoy food, stop dieting and just feel happier and healthier and getting to where you want to be, then this is the podcast for you. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into the episode. So today we are talking about 10 steps to lasting weight loss and these are 10 steps that I've come up with based on experience with hundreds of clients now over the last 10, 11 years of of coaching people to lose weight and keep it off and these are some things you will know, some things you'll be doing already, some things you might find you can work on and some of these are super simple but they are all so powerful and all things that if you work on them and improve them, they will make a massive difference to your physical and mental health as well as to weight loss. So I'm going to get straight in with these tips. Um, the first one for lasting weight loss is to plan your food. And this is something that some people do. Some people are used to doing it. It's a habit of maybe even planning just dinner time is, is the easiest one. People make a meal plan for the week sometimes just for their dinners. Um, but for other people it's something that's just not a habit and that is where it's a real struggle sometimes to make great decisions when you're having to choose stuff all through the day and then when you get home making decisions on the fly when you're going to eat is really really difficult in this busy world that we live in we're making decisions all throughout the day anyway in, in various aspects of life and if you have to keep deciding what to eat when to eat should you have this should you wait it really is draining and quite overwhelming and it's so easy to get to the end of the day and just be mentally exhausted by the accumulation of everything and decide that it's far easier to order a pizza and you may even have planned to have something for dinner but because you had to keep deciding what to have in the day maybe because you planned something that wasn't doable when you got home maybe it was it was going to be too time consuming um that can then lead to you making a choice you later regret as well so when it comes to planning food what i work on with clients is ideally having a structure for for the day as a whole and some people like to have a plan for the week some people find it easier just to plan one day at a time and there's no right or wrong way to do this the most important thing is just to have some kind of plan because we want to make life as easy for you as possible in the moment and if you have got at least a structure for that day then it's like you've written a script and you've just got to follow the script you don't have to use any more energy or brain power to think about what you're going to eat like you know what it is you've planned it And because you've planned it ahead of time with your kind of calm, logical brain, when you had the time to really think about it, hopefully then you've planned stuff that is going to be easy to get hold of, it's going to be nourishing, it's going to keep you fueled until the next time that you eat. And you can get better at this with practice as well. It might be in the beginning that you plan certain foods and realise that actually the plan wasn't quite right and you got hungry a little bit sooner than you expected or it didn't fill you up enough. So then you can tweak it. But some people, I think, don't make plans because they feel bad when they deviate from the plan. And that's a slightly separate issue of judging yourself and trying to be a bit of a perfectionist with it. If you notice that's happening, if you notice you feel a bit resistant to planning because you'll feel bad if you don't stick to it, then there's two things to look at there. The first is that perfectionist mindset that could be creeping in. 
And the second thing is, how can we get you making a plan that you do feel more confident of sticking to? What would need to be different about that plan? And it could be the the nutrition in that plan. It could be that you automatically try and plan really healthy food when you are making these plans for weight loss because many of us have the association of, well, if I want to lose weight, I need to make my plan really healthy and cut out all the foods I love. And that isn't the case either. What we're going to be doing is finding that middle ground where it's 80% nutritious foods that are going to keep you fuller for longer, like give you the energy and the nourishment that your body needs, but then planning a little bit of what you really enjoy as well. So that 10 to 20% of the junk foods that you love, making sure they're the best of what you love, like they're really worth it and putting them in that plan, maybe smattering them through the week so that you know you're not on a diet you're able to have the foods that you love, but you're finding that middle ground that makes you feel best. And this kind of brings me on to step two, which is practicing mindful eating. And mindful eating, there's there's a few aspects to it, and I'm gonna cover that in a separate podcast. But the first step with that in itself I wanna talk about today is just being more present when you eat and really slowing things down to make sure that you're enjoying what you've got. Very often when we're in a a hectic day and when we're, many of us just are quick eaters, you might find that you tend to kind of eat your food quite fast and sometimes not even notice the taste of it until you get to the end of the meal and then realise that you're a bit stuffed. We tend to do this as well when we are feeling guilty for what we're eating. So if you have had a hard day and you come home and you're eating, maybe snacking in the fridge before dinner or raiding the cupboards or you order a takeaway and just because it felt like that was what you needed to do, it was a hard day. Any of those meal choices or snack choices, you might find yourself just eating them really fast because there's that element of guilt there as well, isn't there? And you feel like you just want to kind of stuff it down before you even let your brain realise what you're doing. And then you get to the end of that food and you feel a bit overfull, a bit sick, a bit stuffed. And you also didn't really get to enjoy it. So what we want to do with everything, whether it's a a choice that you feel is a great one or a not so great one, it's just bringing in the practice of really slowing things down and really being present with food. Because it's really easy to be distracted as well, even if it's like a choice that you feel is absolutely fine. How often are we eating when we're working or reading or in front of the TV? And in all these situations, it's then really easy to A, not really register that you're, you're eating as much as you are. B, like not really enjoy that food, not really notice the taste and the, the sensation of it. And C, I've totally forgotten what C is. That's not helpful. C is when we often miss the point where we start to get full. So just slowing things down can allow you to really notice the taste of the food that you're eating and maybe start to notice when that taste changes. This is a, an element of mindful eating that I will talk about more in another episode, but just becoming more aware of when you start to eat something, if you're really present with it, you start to, uh, to enjoy that food, and it's like a 10 out of 10, hopefully. Look, it feels delicious. You can notice the taste. Your body's like, yes, this is awesome. And as we go through that meal or snack, we become satisfied and that's where the taste buds will start to kind of numb to that food a little bit. And it might go from feeling like a 10 out of 10 to start with 
and it'll gradually drop down that scale. So it might be 8 out of 10, 7 out of 10, 6 out of 10, and then you get to kind of a 5 out of 10, and it's like, meh, still alright, but it's not great. And as it drops further down, it's like not even that enjoyable at all. So when we're not present, when we're just distracted, it's really easy to miss that point and just eat for the sake of eating and get to the end of that meal having consumed maybe a few hundred extra calories than you actually really needed or enjoyed. And then it's too late by that point. So if you slow things down, what happens is that being present, really enjoying the food allows you to enjoy much more of what you actually really want to eat. Any type of food, whether it's healthy or not so healthy, and you will eat less of it and feel more satisfied because you've been able to be much more aware of that food choice. So point three is removing the guilt. Nothing off limits. This is really important for sustainable long-term weight loss. We don't need to cut any foods out. We just need to understand how to fit them in in a balanced and enjoyable way. So this relates back to the first two points, planning your food and being present, noticing the taste of it. So if we remove that guilt and we have nothing off limits, we just plan in the best of what we love, then we get to show ourselves that we can have a balanced and healthy approach to food. So a mistake that many people make when it comes to weight loss is to try to be really good, in quotation marks, and cut out foods they really enjoy like try and just remove them from their diet because they feel like they need to to stick to a healthy way of eating lose the weight and then work out how to kind of fit everything in but it doesn't work like that if there is that feeling of guilt and that certain foods are good foods certain foods are bad those are the things we need to work on on the way way down to losing that weight like in the process that's where the change needs to happen because if you try to restrict and you try to cut these things out to lose the weight and and then you feel like you can sort it out afterwards it just doesn't happen that way you'll get to the the goal maybe if you can stick with it that long most people struggle because it's not sustainable but if you do get there you're left with no tools to kind of actually enjoy the way that you live you can't just figure it out once you've lost the weight and this this is why people get to the end of a diet maybe having lost some weight on the diet and then they gradually put that weight back on or very quickly put that weight back on because they haven't been given the tools to actually live a sustainable lifestyle. So we need to work on this on the way down and we need to remove the guilt straight away. There are no bad foods. Nothing has to be removed from your diet. You can eat pizza, you can eat chocolate, ice cream, all those things can fit, but it's bringing that awareness and that knowledge to it and planning it in so that you get to really enjoy it in moderation and the guilt itself is often the factor that leads to binging in the end because we eat those foods because we want to because we've had a tough day and they're at the moment what we see as a comfort we go for them then we feel guilty and that then leads to overeating them because once you start you feel like you've ruined it so you may as well carry on and then start again on monday and then there's this vicious cycle of just feeling guilty and then feeling like you need to restrict, trying to restrict but finding it's not sustainable, giving in, feeling like you've ruined it, binging on them and it just goes round and round and it's not fun and it doesn't need to be that way. So for sustainable long-term weight loss, remove that guilt. Start practicing a healthier relationship with food and that means choosing the best of what you love that you feel like is a junk food, it's not a healthy food but you really enjoy it plan it in and when you practice planning it in and being present with it really noticing the taste 
and enjoying every bite, you'll start to find you can actually eat less of it and feel satisfied. And it's a practice, but if you build the, the habit of doing that and really just noticing the taste, savoring every bite, you will start to become better at that and you'll notice where that taste starts to fade away and you'll build that skill of being able to stop at the right time. So moving on to point four for sustainable long-term weight loss, planning in protein and extra veg at dinner. So these are just two nutrition tools that are simple but very, very effective. And when I work on this with clients, they're generally amazed at just the difference it makes to how full they feel on a day-to-day basis. So there's many aspects of nutrition that we can look at, but when it comes to the big rocks, the things that will help you the most, protein is right up there because protein will help you to feel fuller for longer. And it's also the building block of our muscles. So as you lose weight, if you're not eating enough protein and you're not doing some form of exercise like resistance training where you're working those muscles, what will happen is to lose weight, you'll need to be in a calorie deficit and your body will recognize this and it will take energy from fat cells, but also from muscle. If you're not feeding that muscle with protein and you're not using it by doing weights and resistance training, you'll lose a lot of muscle as well as fat because your body wants to get rid of muscle because it burns more calories than fat does. And when you've reduced your calorie intake, your body senses this and it it sees that as a threat to survival. It thinks that if there's not enough calories coming in to maintain weight, there's not enough food around. There could be a potential famine. And so it will bring down your metabolism as much as it can. It will do that by getting rid of muscle. But you can affect that by eating more protein, so fueling that muscle, giving your body the building blocks to keep hold of it, and also then by being active, by lifting weights, that essentially tells your body that you want to keep hold of that muscle. That muscle is important because it's being used. And that will mean that you keep hold of that muscle. You get a bit stronger. You feel like you're toning up. You notice that difference in your shape and you'll get to burn more body fat instead. So planning protein, as well as keeping you full, it helps you maintain muscle. And that's crucial, especially as we get older, we naturally lose muscle mass Once we reach the age of about 30, we lose muscle bit by bit, year by year. But you can affect that massively by eating enough protein and by doing resistance training. So what is enough protein? The simplest way to do this is just to plan in a good source of protein in each meal. And we can look more at numbers and to give a ballpark figure, aiming for around two grams of protein per kilo of body weight, or per kilo of target body weight if you have a considerable amount of weight that you want to lose. That's a good kind of ballpark figure. It doesn't have to be exactly that. It could be 1.5 grams per kilo of body weight, but aiming for something like that range can work quite well if you're looking at numbers. Now you don't need to look at it in that much detail, at least to start with. So it can help to just look at it as, how can I plan a good source of protein into each meal? And that would be your meat, fish, eggs, beans and pulses. Whey protein powder is is really helpful as a convenient source. Greek yogurt is very, very helpful as well. And it's looking to get that into each meal in a serving size of, think about kind of the palm of your hand. So a portion of meat or fish that's that size. With When it comes to low-fat Greek yogurt, like a really decent serving of that, like 200 grams with berries or something like that, it's 
is a fantastic choice for a meal or snack. Um, so getting that in there, maybe into a snack as well, especially if you maybe have a lower protein meal, spacing that out through the day will make a big impact on your appetite and it will really help you to keep your energy levels nice and stable and fuel your body in a really helpful way. And then the second point of that was extra veg at dinner. So the way I generally look at this with clients is to fill half of the dinner plate with vegetables at dinner time. You can add in veg obviously at any time of the day, it's always a good thing to do. But just as a simple guideline, half the plate of veg at dinner means that you're getting loads of nutrition in there, loads of fiber, loads of nutrients, and the rest of the plate then, you've got smaller portions of the other stuff. So still a quarter of that plate with a protein source would be ideal. And that leaves you a quarter of the plate for some carbohydrate. So one thing that holds many people back from weight loss is maybe too big a portion of dinner in the evening or too much pasta, too much rice. And there's nothing wrong with carbohydrate and those type of foods, but it's the portion size of everything that makes the difference. So if you can bring those carbohydrates down and you can add more veg instead, that's a really simple way of decreasing calories, still staying full because you've still got a full plate of food and giving yourself a whole load of extra nutrients at the same time. Then we have point five, find ways to walk more. Super simple, but again, it makes a massive difference. And through working with hundreds of clients, the ones who make the best consistent progress with weight loss have been able to increase their step count or keep a high step count as they're losing weight. And this isn't to say you have to do that in order to be successful. Like you can obviously lose weight with a lower step count, it just takes more time and it takes more consistency with your food and it takes you bringing your food intake down that little bit more than you would otherwise have to if you were doing more steps. So there could be different ways to do this. For some people, it might be tracking your steps with a a Fitbit or another gadget that tracks it and looking just to add 500 to 1,000 steps a day and gradually nudging that up over time if you can. It might be that you just start going for a walk at lunchtime or before or after work as a habit that you add in. It could be that the weekends are where your opportunities are. So for many people, like their their weekdays are very busy and it's a struggle to fit in enough steps. Like they'd love to do 10,000 steps a day, but for some of my clients, it's just really a struggle with looking after the kids, doing the amount of work they've got to do and everything else that has to go into that day right so it comes to the weekend and that's the time where you can look at nudging up your overall weekly average by getting in one or two really good long walks for the weekend and this can be amazing for stress busting and general health as well mental and physical health a good long weekend walk could bring your your average steps up by from say 50 to 60,000 for the week up to 60 to 70,000 for the week or more. Um, And that is hugely impactful when it comes to health and weight loss. And these are just ballpark numbers, like wherever you are, the most important thing is to gradually increase from there. So don't compare yourself to these numbers or to anyone else, but just look at where you are at the moment and see if you can nudge your steps up in some way, whether it's daily, whether it's looking at a habit of walking at a certain time of day, or whether it's the weekend walks, whatever you can do one thing that's also helped for a couple of my clients is to 
um, do little bits of walking while they're working at home. So in between maybe calls, meetings, um, one client actually bought herself a rebounder, which is in her one of her rooms in her house. And she's been able to really increase her step count by just jumping on that for five minutes whenever she can. And it's it's actually great for concentration as well, just to move yourself away from thinking about work and just get your body moving for a few minutes. Just let that blood flow, give yourself a mental break, do something physical. And we think sometimes that we can't take that break from work because we're busy, like we're trying to be productive. But it's been shown in so many studies that if you take that little break and you go and move your body just for a few minutes and then you get back to things, you're far more productive by doing that, by having those scheduled breaks and by being that bit more active, letting yourself breathe, giving yourself some blood flow to the brain, to the muscles. It has a hugely positive impact on productivity and concentration as well as on weight loss. So really, really worth doing. The next step, I think we're on six now, is to get a consistent sleep routine. And this, again, is hugely underrated when it comes to weight loss and ideally with this we would be getting to bed consistently at the same roughly the same time in the week and the weekend and where many people struggle with this is obviously at the weekend we want to have a lion we want to relax we want to stay up late in the evening watch tv have some drinks and then that's all really understandable but what happens is if you are going to bed a lot later at the weekend then lying in a lot later in the morning the next day totally knocks out the body's rhythm for the for the week so we have this circadian rhythm that doesn't recognize when it's a weekend it just likes to be in the same pattern day after day and if that shifts a lot on the weekends then you'll find that for the start of the week you do feel more tired and that impacts on everything else. It impacts on your resilience, your tendency to, to have cravings and give in to cravings. It impacts your energy levels. It impacts the quality of your sleep as well. So quality of sleep is affected by firstly that rhythm and also by what we do in the run up to going to bed. So caffeine intake can have quite an effect on this. So if you drink caffeine, if you drink coffee, then having a cutoff point of midday can really help because caffeine will stay in your system for i think it's got a half life of about six hours i think off the top of my head and so going to bed in the evening having drunk coffee in the afternoon can affect your sleep as can drinking alcohol in the evenings so you might find that you get to sleep quicker with alcohol but the actual quality of sleep through the night is much less good much reduced in quality than it would otherwise have been without that drink so those are two things and just before you go to bed as well the the actual routine you have in that last hour before bedtime is crucial and for many of us that is looking at screens that is looking at phones and social media watching tv so it's well worth testing out what happens if you spend that last hour away from screens if you have that as a rule maybe for even just a week trying out doing something else in the evening so for one of my clients she started knitting in the evenings another client um, has just started going to bed and reading a book so there's different things you can do but just trying out what happens how does it affect your sleep quality if you spend that last hour away from 
away from phones at least and maybe away from TV as well. And you can track your sleep quality using your Fitbit or using your other gadget that you have. I have a Garmin, for example, that tracks um, deep sleep as well as lighter sleep and when you're awake. And for me, having tried this out myself recently, I noticed that my deep sleep increased by an average of about 40 minutes when I moved my bedtime a little bit earlier and I brought in the routine of just putting my phone into flight mode from a half an hour before going to bed sometimes an hour before going to bed um, and it made a big difference so it's something I still do now um, so it's worth testing that out but sleep is so so important when it comes to weight loss for many reasons but it's well worth trying that out and just seeing how you feel mentally and physically the next day as well then we have point seven do resistance training Resistance training is basically lifting weights, but this could also be body weight training. This could be doing uh, weight training classes, body pump, those kind of things. They're, those are great to do if you really enjoy them. The most effective form of resistance training would be lifting weights and having ideally access to a gym where you can lift weights and make progress with the amount of weight that you lift. But having said that, there is so much you can also do at home if you have even a set of resistance bands, maybe a, a couple of dumbbells, maybe a kettlebell. I would say about 50 to 60% of my clients, maybe more actually, will be, they're just doing home workouts with their training, but it's making a big difference. So don't be put off if you don't feel like going to the gym or you, you feel like the gym is just not the environment for you. There's still so much you can do at home and it's well worth doing whatever you feel most comfortable with doing. But any form of resistance training, like I was talking about earlier when it comes to protein, resistance training is all about keeping hold of muscle, keeping yourself strong and ensuring that you retain as much muscle as possible while your body is burning fat instead. But we have to tell our body that that's what we want to do. Otherwise, the body will take that energy from muscle. And if that happens, then your metabolism will drop further and further down. Now, our metabolism drops anyway as we lose weight because we become a smaller person, so we need less calories. But if you are losing weight and losing considerable muscle, that metabolism will drop a lot further still. And that means that you have to keep reducing calories further and further down in order to keep losing weight. And that obviously is not fun and it makes it much harder to sustain weight loss. And so you become, some people call it skinny fat, where you just you become a smaller version of yourself but most people want to lose weight and also tone up at the same time and if you don't do the resistance training then that skinny fat um, appearance that people will use as a term is something that will happen where there's no muscle tone there it's just a smaller sort of softer version of your previous body and if that's the goal obviously go for it that's great but if you want to lose weight and tone up and feel sort of more confident in your clothes like feel firm feel strong then resistance training is a crucial part of that as well and it doesn't have to be like taking up loads of time a couple of sessions a week is enough to keep you seeing the benefits of that and two to three sessions is what i generally recommend for most of my clients and that's something you can fit in at home at the gym but two to three whole body resistance training sessions would be a great place to start. 
and that would be doing big exercises like squats, deadlifts, press-ups, bench press, lat pull-downs. If you know what these kind of things are, they're using lots of muscle. So rather than doing smaller exercises, for example, sit-ups and crunches, um, and bicep curls and tricep extensions, all those ones will work very small areas of the body. We want to be doing ideally is working the big muscle groups. So the more muscle you can work in those exercises, the more calories get burned, the more effect it has on your body as a whole and the more effective that session is basically so there's nothing wrong with the smaller exercises like your crunches and sit-ups but if you're going to do them they should be kind of the, the lower priority things to do maybe at the end of a session if you've got time the way to slim and tone your stomach and your body as a whole is going to be to do the big stuff like the big effective exercises that work as much muscle as you possibly can because we can't choose where the body takes fat from it will choose that as you lose weight it will take it from different areas bit by bit um, but what you can do is work your body as a whole as much as possible and make that process quicker and more effective and then you'll notice that even if you did no stomach exercises by doing the big stuff the squats the bench press the press-ups the rows that will have more of an effect and you will notice your stomach and everything else gets slimmer and more toned by doing that. So start with whatever you feel most comfortable with when it comes to resistance training, even if that's body weight exercises at home. If you head to my Instagram page, you find in the link tree, there is a menopause food and fitness guide to download. Even if you're not going through menopause, at the back of that guide, there is a home workout program with bodyweight exercises you can do and it explains in detail like how to get started and on my Instagram page as well there are some ideas for bodyweight training plans to start with too so have a look at that and feel free to message me if you've got any questions so moving on to point eight drinking more water super simple we all know that we should drink more water but it's something that many people struggle to do so there's many ways of approaching this as as building it as a habit, but the way to do it is going to vary for different people. But ideally, drinking two to three litres of water throughout the day is going to help you with weight loss. And that, again, is a ballpark number. It could be a little bit more, a little bit less. But experimenting with what makes you feel best is going to really help. And the way to identify whether or not you're drinking enough is basically to look at your wee. If your urine is pale straw coloured and you feel fine, you're probably drinking enough. But if you look at it and it's it's a darker yellow, um, then you may find that you need to drink more. Also, if you're lacking in energy, if you just generally, you're not sure you're drinking enough and you're getting some aches and pains, you're feeling a bit lethargic, test out drinking more water with, maybe with each meal, with each snack, have a glass of water there very often as well we find that when we think we're hungry we're actually just thirsty so building the habit of drinking before you eat can sometimes really help you just to check that you're recognizing the signal correctly and it's actually food that your body wants so if you have that drink first and just wait 10 or 15 minutes if you're still hungry great then you can go for that food if not then it might have just been that you've just quenched your thirst and that's going to really help but 
in general, drinking more water will help you, your body to process things better. So all the, the metabolic processes that are happening all the time. If we don't have enough water, then everything's just slower and more difficult. And that's where you may have less energy. You may struggle to, to move around as much as you want to. You may feel hungrier. You may get headaches. So it's a simple thing, but it's a really, really good habit to build. Maybe treating yourself to like a chili bottle or some kind of nice pretty bottle that makes it easier to remember and to want to drink. That can really help too. And there's nothing wrong with adding a little bit of flavouring to the water if that helps you to drink as well. Make it as easy as possible. It doesn't have to be perfect pure water. It can be having a little bit of squash, a little bit of flavouring. It can be tea and coffee can count as well try to have just water at least a few glasses a day and, and just increase in the amount you have and just see what effect that has then we have point nine to be more kind and compassionate to yourself now the biggest problem one of the biggest problems that i see with with people who are struggling to lose weight and who've been struggling for a long time is that they're in the habit of being very self-critical and beating themselves up for many things especially for for the struggles that they have with food and with weight and they're in a bit of a a vicious cycle of having these struggles with food and then feeling really bad about it and seeing maybe seeing other people doing things differently like seeing those people as succeeding while they feel like they're failing and the language and the self-talk is often very negative and if you recognize this in yourself this is something to work on changing and I cannot tell you how impactful it can be. Many people are in in the mindset of just this is who I am, like this is how I do things, this is how I talk to myself. And because it's been a struggle for a long time, there's a real lack of self-belief and a real frustration with yourself and a real lack of self-kindness. It's like we we know that we should be talking to ourselves like our, we're our own best friend, but I very much see people talking to themselves like they're their own worst enemy and that just does not help you have to start being on your side and being someone who is kind and encouraging to yourself because the fact is you spend all your time with you and you are basically your own coach so what's happening at the moment if you're struggling with making great choices you're essentially coaching yourself at the moment to make the choices that you don't want to make if you notice the thoughts going on in your head they will be justifications for eating certain foods and they will be that unhelpful voice that you recognize that tells you like go on just eat that food you can start again tomorrow like you've had a hard day you're not going to do it anyway so why bother like you're always going to be this way just eat that now if you notice that that's you that's your voice coaching you to do what you don't want to do and what we don't realize is that we can change that voice that's just a part of you who has has been there for a while like it's a habit to think that way and it's not a reflection on you in any negative way it's just something that your brain has learned in that moment that certain foods are a distraction and certain foods comfort you and make you feel good for a really short amount of time But in the moment, that's the habit that's been practiced and that's the urge that arises. And that just sets off this pattern of that voice coaching you to go and choose whatever it is that you want in the moment, but you know doesn't help you. But you can coach yourself differently. 
and you can coach yourself out of these tough situations by being much kinder to yourself and by taking a step back and thinking through how you want things to go. Sometimes this can happen outside of the moment as well and it's really important to practice it when you're just in a normal calm situation away from those times when you feel stressful and you're likely to make a poor choice. If you think through the times when you tend to struggle, and for many people it's like when they get home in the evening after a long hard day and they're they're just too tired to cook, they want to have a takeaway, um, they want to just numb out a little bit and just enjoy some easy food. That's the time to think about before you're in that time frame, before that's the actual situation, but think about it earlier or on a different day and mentally rehearse how you want that to go start to to plan in your mind how you want to be thinking so if you recognize that you've been coaching yourself to make a bad choice and you've been then criticizing yourself after see how you can change those thoughts see how you can coach yourself in that moment to actually stay on track like what could you say to yourself then to help you stay on track to your goal what are some kind things you could say like how can you imagine you have your best friend there with you and your best friend knows what your goals are and she knows that you really want to achieve these goals you want to be happy and healthy and she knows that you deserve it right because she looks at you as an awesome person like she's not there criticizing you she's there seeing all your good points and wanting the best for you so how would she talk to you in that situation so if you can sometimes view it from that perspective it can help you see how you could be kind to yourself And if you can start to become that best friend, that's where success starts to happen. And on the flip side of that, when you do have these moments that you feel like you've fallen off track, you feel like you've really messed up, most people who are struggling to stay consistent and to lose the weight, in those situations, they're in the habit of really beating themselves up, like being really critical, criticising their body and criticising their actions that they've taken. And it's all negativity and criticism in when it comes to health and weight loss so that's what we need to change how can you look at things differently again how can you start to encourage yourself and be your own best friend although it sounds cheesy like it's what we need to do how can you start to be someone who supports you and someone who's on your side so imagine that you have a coach what would your coach say to you this is where as a coach myself working with clients I will ask them questions and I will get them to be thinking in a different way. And the goal for me is to help them come to their own conclusion where they are being kind to themselves. They're guiding themselves to do what they want to do because we know what we want to do. But in the moment, we find it hard and then we beat ourselves up. So we need to break this pattern. And it comes through self-kindness and self-compassion. It comes through understanding that at the moment, this is a habit and it's not a reflection on you as a person it's just something that you're in the habit of doing and something that you can change so what's the best way to do that how can you support yourself how can you be kinder if you notice negative thoughts creep in you notice you're criticizing yourself out loud or in your head stopping that thought and just changing it to something better something kinder something encouraging and positive that can become your new habit it's just a skill and a practice to work on being kinder to yourself will make a massive, massive difference. And that brings me to point 10. Aim for progress, not perfection. This can be applied to this actual podcast in itself. So I've gone through 10 points here. 
and within those 10 points you could look at that and and try to do all of them straight away or you might look at it and think wow there's too many things to work on like I can't even begin to think about this it's overwhelming we want to find that that middle ground where we can just start making progress on one thing picking just one out of all the things I've listed that in itself will start to create progress so if you recognize in any of these 10 things that I've listed that you could work on that and you could maybe implement that change that's what you want to do first just that one thing then you can work on the next thing but build it as a habit one by one because life is busy and overwhelming anyway and we tend to try and add far too much to our plate and then we we just get more overwhelmed and we find that we we can't do it so we stop so have a look back at the 10 things I've listed and I'll run through them again in a second and pick just one thing that you think you could do and work on that for the next week and see what happens with that then you can move on to something else and that consistency that progress and that avoidance of trying to be perfect but just looking to keep making some form of progress that's what will get you amazing sustainable results so those 10 points again ready to write them down if you have a pen planning your food to minimize the decisions you have to make setting a plan for the day being present when you eat practicing mindful eating number three removing the guilt no foods off limits step number four planning protein and extra veg at dinner step number five find ways to walk more or generally to be more active step six get a good bedtime routine consistent routine getting to bed earlier getting a nice hour before bed where there's no screens and you get to wind down and keeping it consistent at weekends as well is worth trying out step seven do some form of resistance training two to three times a week step eight drink more water step nine be more kind and compassionate to yourself step 10 aim for progress not perfection that's it i hope that is helpful let me know if you have any questions if you need any help at all you can drop me an email hayley at hayleyplumber.co.uk come find me on instagram or facebook i'm hayleyplumberpt thank you for listening and i'll speak to you again soon thank you so much for listening to the podcast today i hope you enjoyed it if you have any questions if i can help you in any way please feel free to get in contact with me via my website hayleyplumber.co.uk or come find me on facebook or instagram and i would love to connect with you i hope you have an amazing day and i'll speak to you soon